I'm Mark Schaefer. And I'm Brad Birkenall. We're two friends fascinated by all things Elvis. Elvis Presley was more than a blue-eyed, handsome man. He was a complex character who remains one of the most beloved entertainment icons in the world. Brad, is there anything that hasn't been said, that hasn't been seen, that hasn't been heard about Elvis Presley? I know there's a lot, because we spend a lot of time talking about it. We sure do, and we figured it was time to invite more people to the party. If you share our burning love for the king of rock and roll, you came to the right place. Welcome to Memphis Flash. Against the fabulous panorama of one of the most glamorous and exciting events of recent times is everything that has made Elvis Presley one of the greatest entertainment stars. Well, Bradley, that's a little uh, preview of the, what we're talking about today, the movie we're discussing. Uh, it happened at the World's Fair. That's right. Elvis's 12th feature film. I always liked that movie. He's in uh, really good form. I remember reading his wardrobe was quite extensive in that movie. And they were really trying to make him the leading man type of uh, actor i think i read that they spent ten thousand dollars on his wardrobe for that movie in 1962 that's a lot of money that's a lot, that's a lot of money now for a wardrobe so i could imagine what that was like in 1962 dollars you mentioned that and it was almost like a new look for elvis it was this yeah. kind of um he was like an adult growing up almost like he wasn't the rock and roller he was just almost like a like a dean martin type in a way Exactly. That's what they were going for. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if, I don't think Elvis really cared for that, but I mean, you right. think only five years earlier it was Jailhouse Rock. Yeah. The Rebel. Know, and, and then this very slick, kind of sophisticated Elvis. Is that look, is that really, he's really trim and his hair is perfect and it is jet black. I like to call it blue black, like Superman black. That's what it looks <laughs> right. like, you know. Right. And uh, it's just funny though, the in the movie, what he does for a living and he's wearing you know, that, that, those kind of suits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a pilot, but he's wearing these really nice suits, right, expensive <laughs> clothes. Yeah. Not I mean, wearing them in a plane, but you tailored, know. you know, they're not off the rack. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, it's a movie. What the heck? It is. It's a movie. And this movie, I'll tell you, out of all the Elvis movies, this is one of my favorites. One of those reasons is that it is filmed near my hometown where I grew up. I grew up in Tacoma, Washington, and Seattle is just a little north of it. So I've always dug that because you see the Space Needle and you have the Seattle Center and the monorail, all the stuff that's around. And uh, it's just kind of neat, you know? Yeah, that's you can relate to it. That brings me to our two very special guests, my mother and father, Stan and Charlotte Burkadal, who were actually in Seattle during some of the filming of It Happened at the World's Fair. Two people I've known all of my life. Two very special guests, Stan and Charlotte Brickadall, my mother and father. How you doing out there? Just great. We're doing good. Uh, sitting here looking at the snow coming down out the window. Oh, good. And that's because you're all the way in Tacoma, Washington. They got a little snow here this time of year. Usually don't get snow, but they're getting it now. Here's the deal. My, my mom and dad, they were high school sweethearts. They grew up in a very small town in northern Minnesota called Williams. Look it up on the map. It's still on the map. Uh, but yeah, it's there. It's near a couple cities like Baudette and things like that. Very small town, but they grew up together in the fifties. They grew up when Elvis was coming out and, uh, they've got some pretty cool Elvis stories. So mom, I want to start with you. Tell me about when you met dad and, uh, you all started dating and, uh, you all got to remember my dad was kind of a greaser. 
and a, a car guy, and, you know, the engineer boots, the whole bit. And uh, didn't you pull up to uh, mom's house and uh, he wanted to tell you about this new guy on the radio? Yes, that was after we'd been seeing each other for a little while. And he came flying in the driveway one day in his 50 Merc and said, hey, you got to hear this guy, this song on the radio. He had just heard Heartbreak Hotel. So that was, what, 56. So also Elvis's first movie, Love Me Tender, came out in the winter around November. And didn't you all drive to go see the movie? Because it was the first time you could see him in motion. Yeah. Being in northern Minnesota, wasn't it tough to drive in the snow? And didn't Dad's mother um, tell him that he wasn't going to go? And Dad decided he was going to go anyways? Yeah, that, that's about it. I told her uh, that I was going to pick up your mother and about uh, four other people and uh, go to International Falls. And there was, uh, I guess, seven of us in the car. I think we all chipped in for the gas. Uh, <laughs> And it was probably about 18 to 24 cents a gallon of that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we took off, and it was snowing, I think, and it was on Christmas Day. We all made it. It was a good movie, and uh, had a good time. And there was, after that, we saw it again. I think we saw it four more times. Okay. And, and, that, and obviously, it was in black and white, but do you, I think Mommy also told me that at one point, uh, you knew how it ended, and when Elvis was done singing the songs, you just finally decided to leave. You didn't see how the movie yeah. ended? Yeah. I also think it's great that you all piled in the car because that was before the seatbelt law. <laughs> in a 20 below area of weather and probably close to 30, you know. Wow. I see a snowstorm and we were bound to determine to go. My mother was against it, but it turned out okay. But you were teenagers, you were rebels, you went anyways. You were going to go see the king and you saw him. My parents growing up together, they're dating Elvis, it's the 50s. I mean, this is, you know, North, Northern Minnesota, America, rock and roll, the whole bit. What they ended up doing was, this is this has been 1956. So by 1962, we'll see mom and dad married in 61. So in 62, they moved west to Tacoma, Washington. So July 62, understand that this was a very small town. When you moved to Tacoma, which is south of Seattle, not very far from Seattle, it was a big city. So it was it was a lot different, wasn't it, than, than uh, Williams, yeah. Minnesota? Yes, it was. Yeah, there was there was no freeway. There was no I five at that time. It was old ninety nine. My parents being in Tacoma, they I guess y'all drove up to Seattle because you knew that Elvis was filming the movie, right? So can, can you tell me uh, anything else about that when you you saw him and did you expect to see him or was that the goal? Well, we were hoping we'd see him, so we went where they were doing the movie, mm -hmm. and we saw him being pulled out on a golf cart. Yeah, you know, through the crowd. Yeah, and there was. There was only a line of security, I guess, between us and him. We were that close. Yeah. And he waved at the audience, but I think he was waving at me. <laughs> <laughs> he probably was. He probably looked you right in the eyes. Just black hair and very tan face. Yeah, so we, we kind of followed the, that uh, golf cart thing. And uh, I think they were doing a scene on the, on the merry-go-round with uh -huh. the little girl. Yeah. And uh, we, we watched, got to watch that. Elvis had played the Northwest five times before he shot that movie. So he he actually played Tacoma in 57. He played Portland. He played I think Vancouver in 57. Don't get me lying, but I think it was Vancouver and Seattle, obviously. Kind of neat because I think Elvis was a little familiar with the Northwest. You know, he knew what the weather was probably going to be like. And, uh, you know, he knew exactly what Mount Rainier was. I would love to hear Elvis say Mount Rainier. That would have been cool. But, uh, you know, <laughs> who knows? As you know, he did at some point. I want to tell everyone out there that my mom and dad, if it weren't for them, I never would have been an Elvis fan because that's how I got into Elvis in the first place. My dad's Elvis record collection, you know, and uh, asking him questions about Elvis and all that. I owe it to mom and dad for me being a huge Elvis fan. So there you go.
so Stan, it sounds like you were a, was Brad called you a greaser before you'd even heard of Elvis. You were already, you were already into slick black hair and dark hair, or greasy hair and cars before Elvis. So you're, you're kind of the real deal in my opinion. Yeah. Right. I do have a question. Uh, when I've seen the movie, the crowd scenes, obviously they didn't shut down the the fair to film the movie. The, the, the fair was going on while they were filming. Were the people in the crowd actual fair goers or were there also actors or, you know, was it just actors or both? Cause you see, you know, in some of those scenes, like what you were watching, would, would there have been a chance that you would have been filmed? Well, you know, I don't know if there was any actors there or not. If there were, we somewhat that I did not know or recognize, but uh, I think mostly it was just the main crowd and the main people that paid their mission to get to the, get there. So when you saw Elvis filming in, in the golf cart, what were your thoughts when you saw him? Did he seem like a big star or was he just like a regular guy? I would say he's more like a regular guy. I mean, he uh, looked like a very friendly type of guy. Did you go back to Tacoma and tell all your friends about it, what you had just saw? Were you guys really excited? And Oh, it was, it was a big deal. <laughs> sure, we told everybody that wanted to listen. Quite experienced for small town folk. Well, the, you know, the, the two other people that, that we had made friends with here, he was taking a, a film, a, a movie film, of this whole thing all the time in black and white. A few years later, after he moved back to Minnesota, I told him I'd like to have that movie film. And uh, he says, well, I'll have to fight it in my basement. And that was about the last I heard of him. I don't know if he ever found it, but if he did, he didn't send it to me. But that would have been cool to have that film. It's out there somewhere. Maybe some of the people you talk to will come across it. <laughs> yeah. Mark and I always talk about how uh, there's so much footage, there's pictures, things that we haven't seen yet. And you just proved, because you knew someone was rolling film, probably Super 8 back then, that uh, there's some yeah. film of Elvis out there that exists that we haven't seen yet. I probably got into Elvis when I was around six years old, which is the same, about the same age Mark was when he got into Elvis. I wasn't an Elvis fan right off the bat. I like someone else. I, I never wanted to listen to Elvis. And remember, I was a kid. I was about six years old. But did you guys try to coax me to, to listen to Elvis? So you always wanted to listen to Boxcar Willie. And then you listen to Elvis so often, many times, that pretty soon you were into him and you were singing like him. And I think maybe you sang too fast. You didn't understand his words, maybe. Yeah. But when you got into him, boy, you really got into him. I remember one trip to Minnesota. Uh, it was Boxcar Willie was on because uh, you wanted to listen to him. That was going to William. And so we heard a lot of Boxcar Willie, and I'd slip on a Elvis every now and then. Uh, probably half Elvis and half Boxcar Willie on the trip going, on a trip coming back. All you wanted to listen to was Elvis. You didn't ask for Boxcar Willie. I guess I got sick of the singing hobo, huh? I mean, don't. <laughs> No more boxcar, you know? I still like boxcar, Willie. Well, it was a long trip, too. Maybe maybe I just got sick of it. <laughs> that time, probably, what, it took three days to get there? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Three days to come home. Yeah. So, you know, you saw Elvis in the in the movies in uh, in 56, and you were lucky enough to see him uh, film part of it happened at the World's Fair. But as much as he played Seattle in the 70s, uh, you all never got to see him. Were you guys bummed that you never saw him live? Yeah, we were always going to go next time. Well, you know how that goes. We were busy yeah. raising a family and that kind of stuff. And next time never came because he left us. The day I heard that he passed away, I was coming home with you and your twin sister in the back seat in your car seat. And I heard this on the on the news that he had died. And I had to pull over in the parking lot of the shopping center because I was, well, I couldn't believe it. I had to listen to it, you know. 
Mm -hmm. Couldn't believe it. It goes to show you really how impressionable it was because when you were growing up in the 50s, really the rock and roll thing was so new and Elvis was so different. It was a part of your youth and that, that was gone all of a sudden, like something that you thought would always be there, you know, just you don't think about it. And then all of a sudden it's gone, you know? Yeah, and he was so young. Dad, where were you? Were you coming home from work or when you heard the news? Well, uh, yeah, I was on the way home from work, but I stopped <laughs> have a beer on the way home. And heard it, so trying in my beer. Yeah, yeah, it's your beer. There you go. I bet that was a somber day when you, when you walked through the door, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like us to ask that we didn't talk about? Well, we, uh, not knowing any better, they said he was going to play at a little town in northern Minnesota called Malone. Mm -hmm. And we thought that's kind of ridiculous, little town like that. But anyway, about five of us went to, down to Malung to see him, and of course it wasn't him, but the impersonator. <laughs> well, what a disappointment! In fact, the driver of the bedroom was down there. He uh, wouldn't even go in. Said, "I'm not going in." He was, well, he was a school teacher, but he was married to your dad's cousin. Went down there, and he sat out. He said, "I sat out in the car and watched the kids flatten tires. That was more fun." Oh, it's still up, Catherine. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. it, it really was the fifties. <laughs> Very cool. That's a great story. Hey, mom and dad, thank you. We hope you all enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. We enjoy all your podcasts. Well, thank you. And mom, I'll make sure I clean my room today. Okay. Okay. You do that. Well, that was fun to hear about, Brad. Your folks sound so nice. They are. You know, I've heard the stories, but I'm glad that uh, everyone listening to the podcast gets to hear this firsthand account as well. And I know your, uh, your twin sister. She's nice. And just, I have a twin sister. It, yeah. Don't you? Oh yeah. 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 I do. Yeah. Yeah, I met her, and uh, she's nice, but it just begs the question, what the heck happened to you? You know, I don't know. I don't know, Mark. That's the question. Get Stan and Charlotte back on the phone. I'll give them a call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good, clean, fun, Mark. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. There's more Memphis Flash coming up after this quick break. Well, Brad, I know you like to shop like a king and dress like a rock star. I sure do, Mark, and when I do, I go to Lansky Brothers Clothing at the historic Peabody Hotel in Memphis, Tennessee. They've had an iconic style since 1946. This is where Elvis Presley shopped, Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, and the list goes on. Oh, it goes on today. There's rock stars still shopping there. Brad, you don't have to be a rock star to shop at Lansky's. You'll look like one if you do. But Yes, you will. The clothes are so great i don't dress real flashy and i've gotten quite a few things even shoes at lansky's my wife and i would like to go to lansky's in the peabody and then we like to go get a drink and sit there in the atrium and people watch it's just that's a nice outing it know? is i mean and those shoes you have or do they happen to be blue and suede by chance they are they are oh, blue suede that. shoes from mr lansky you know i bought a winter coat there a light jacket even handkerchiefs and uh, they've got that cologne, uh, Linnell cologne. They do. I've had that. It's gone. I went through a bottle in about a year. But hey, the cologne. <laughs> That's what Elvis tough. wore. That's what Elvis wore, it. man. And you, you got, got to. Lansky's and you can too. It's a cool place to go. It sure is, Mark. Make sure if you're in Memphis, you go to Lansky Brothers at the Peabody Hotel on Union Avenue. If you're not, go to www.lanskybrothers.com. Shop like a king, dress like a rock star. Iconic style since 1946. And now, back to the show. Hey, uh, Brad, some uh, trivia with this this movie. The little girl, who really is Elvis's co-star, kind of steals the show sometimes from Elvis. She's so good. 
little actress, uh, Vicky Two, I think is how you say her name. I really like their uh, their scenes together. Anyway, she became the uh, first lady of Hawaii. Wow. Of course, she's on Craig. Uh, are you a Batman fan? A huge Batman fan. You're, you're talking about the um, series in the mid-60s, yes? Right, right. Uh-huh. Just a, yeah. A few years later, she was Batgirl. She was. Red wig and all. Yeah, she was a really good Batgirl. She's in uh, the uh, Elvis movie where uh, there's a, a very famous scene on the couch. Oh, yeah, relax. Yeah, great tune. Even concrete cracks. <laughs> That's on the soundtrack. Right? Yeah, Which, yeah, that soundtrack to that movie, you you gave me an LP. You gave me the vinyl of that as a gift. I did, didn't I? That was you remember nice that? Yeah, that was really nice of me. It seemed very appropriate for you to have that. And then uh, another interesting to me fact with this this movie is uh the background group they use is the mellow man uh not the jordan airs i think it's the mellow man on every song and the biggest song out of the movie was one broken heart for sale yeah great tune i don't believe it's really the mellow man in the in the movie it's it's actors but the uh the mellow man included thorough ravenscroft he's the bass singer and he's the guy who sings you're a mean one mr grinch and he's also the voice of tony the tiger yes that's right yeah right. and we we talked about that on our uh marlon mason uh, episode from we uh, did he does appear on camera with elvis in the trouble with girls he sure does and yeah. let's not forget mark Another little piece of trivia here from uh, this movie. There was a young actor, his first role in a movie, he actually kicks Elvis in the shins, and he is known as Kurt Russell, 12 years old. That's right. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, that's that's a big one. I, I think I think a lot of people kind of know that, but if you don't, now you do. And it's clearly Kurt Russell. You, you see him and you know, yeah, it looks like a little Kurt Russell, doesn't he? It's great. You know, and the beauty of it is in what 1979, he goes on to play Elvis, which is really cool in a, right. a made for TV movie, Elvis. And he's talked about that extensively. I, I believe he was at the same. I think he said he was the same age Elvis was when he kicked him in the shin. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. You know, and, and the beauty of that, if you haven't seen the movie, see it. It's a great movie. But um, uh, it happened at the World's Fair. The uh, scene is um, Elvis asks him to kick him in the shin so he can see the nurse, right? Right. And, he uh, wants to meet this nurse and he, he needs an injury. So uh, And he really gives it to him. <laughs> right. It's, it's, uh, that scene with Kurt Russell is really good. And so is the, the following scene with the uh, meeting the nurse. It's pretty, right. Oh, yeah. Pretty comical. Elvis, Elvis's comedic timing was pretty darn good. A lot of people don't give him, I mean, credit for it, you know, and you're, we've discussed this, but he was funny, you know? And I mean, again, uh, he knew it, you know, we knew it. If he had better scripts, right. it would be a different story, but Hey, with what he had, I mean, it was, you know, the movie wasn't meant to, you know, win an Oscar. It was, it was entertainment, yep. you know, and uh, right. he is, he's funny. I mean, he could, he could do it. He could pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely uh, worth checking out if you're, if you're an Elvis fans or a new or so I think there are a lot of new Elvis fans since that movie came out last summer. So. I think so, man. It's really uh, uh people are still kind of talking about it, <laughs> you know. You you know, whether they buy bought the soundtrack or uh seen it again or purchased the movie, it's pretty cool, it's still out there, you know. You know, it's funny how that works real quick. Uh, my I just thought of this. My I got my a Christmas list from my niece who's in her late 20s now, and she's you know been my niece for a long time, and she knows I'm an Elvis fan, but she saw the movie. Now she wants Elvis stuff. That's great. Are you going to get her anything? Nah, nah. Okay. You don't have anything you could just give her like 
a record that I, happened at the world's fair or? yeah I, I need that record back <laughs> okay i'll send it no of course i'm gonna get her something oh so. good good for you mark it's already done oh shoot i hope she doesn't listen to this okay uh, that's all right we might need you to spoiled it you spoiled it <laughs> we can always edit it wink wink oh there we go the cool thing about the world's fair this is the early 60s it's the space age the whole thing about it it was um promoted as uh, a glimpse into the future something to that effect. So the mm-hmm. Space Needle was a big deal. You know, there's a yeah. scene of Elvis in the Space Needle. It's the revolving restaurant, you know, gets a great view of Mount Rainier and the water. And also uh, another reference here, a uh, little trivia is Cotton Candy Land was in, it happened at the World's Fair. And right. they they transformed that song with Stevie Nicks and uh, Chris Isaac for the uh, Elvis feature from last Last summer. If anyone uh, gets a chance to see it happen at the World's Fair, please do. It's a lot of fun. It's a uh, beautiful scenery and uh, it's a great movie. And I'd like to thank my parents once again for being our guests on the Memphis Flash. We had a great time with the interview. And now it's for a segment we like to call Did, Did you, you See, see that? that? Well, Mark, here's what I got. This is something my wife found online, and uh, it's from the movie Girls, Girls, Girls. There's a scene of Elvis in front of a movie theater. In this scene, there are movie posters beyond him that are his movie posters from Blue Hawaii. So they yeah. they, they kind of, I guess they call it an Easter egg, or but they they put that in there. And to, to catch that, that's amazing. And it was there for people to catch, but not everyone got it. You know, I never, I never noticed that. That's subtle. I, I'd forgotten about that. We'll have a picture of that on our social media as well. So that would have been, uh, as far as reference, it would have been the year before he made Girls, 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 which was in Hawaii too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wonder if it was coming out as a double feature, you know, how they did it. I don't that. know. Ends later, maybe, maybe they thought, well, we'll give it another little push. If so, that was prop that had to be the work of the Colonel. Let's put that poster in there, yeah, you know, or, or, had to or, be. Or, or just a little subtle fun. Sure. Trip jokey reference that's kind of like uh, gi blues where he, he gets in the fight at the at the bar or whatever and uh-huh. the jukebox the jukebox has uh blue suede shoes by elvis presley on it right right and i think uh the guy says well i want to hear the real thing right right he- isn't that's the guy from loving you he gets a fight in a fight i, I think it is yeah yeah so, gonna double check that elvis should have recognized him knew the guy was trouble i don't I had to come on man yeah really one of my favorites though of them all is in spin out there's a scene when they're kind of having a late night supper outside and a dog shows up somebody says what is that and elvis says i know what it is it's a hound dog and then he looks at the camera i love that that's just you know <laughs> there's the comedy again you know yeah he's poking fun at himself you know he's not afraid right. to do that you know right. nothing wrong with that right. 10 years later yeah right after hound and when one last one uh it's not from an Elvis movie, but it involves Elvis. It's kind of cool. And I know, uh, as am I, uh, Brad's a huge Dean Martin fan. In 1956, Dean Martin Jerry Lewis did a movie called Hollywood or Bust. Part of the movie, they're in Las Vegas. The marquee for Elvis at the New Frontier Hotel in spring of 56 is captured on the strip there in the movie. So that's kind of cool. Good work, Mark. Let's do the math here. Does that mean now Elvis played the New Frontier in April, right? The 56? Right. Would that tell you that Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis were filming that in April? That is brilliant. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, just this little detective work here. I'm well, uh, well, but, or they were doing some 
some post or yeah, you know post or pre yeah. or whatever. Okay. That's worth a Google. It's worth a Google. So I don't know if Dean and Jerry were in Las Vegas. They might have that might have all been in Hollywood. I don't know. True. But, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um I'd have to watch that. I haven't watched that movie in a while, but uh good one. Yeah, like Dean and Jerry. It's in living color too. It is. It's uh it's a cool to see a that shot in widescreen color. So check it out, folks. That's right. Before HD, but it looked even better. And now it's time for a segment we like to call. Did, Did you, you hear, hear that? that? Well, Mark, I thought this was interesting. Again, another song I've heard a million times by Elvis. This is off of his first full-length gospel record called His Hand and Mine, recorded in 1960. There's a song called In My Father's House, and clearly it's the first you hear the the first intro is a piano chord. During that piano chord, you hear what sounds to me like sheet music rustling or a lyric page something is a page is being turned it's in there i think that's what's going on you could even hear like the studio reverb on it so but they kept it on it's just there you know yeah so uh makes me wonder if somebody was fumbling you know or they just quickly had to turn a page or what it is but we will have that on our social media so you can listen to that too it's in the very beginning of the song in my father's house 1960 off the record his hand in mine I'd never uh, noticed that, and you brought it to my attention, and it's clear as a bell. Well, but you know, again, Mark, these things, I think you probably have heard that. You just didn't think anything about it. You know, it was just something that was there. But when you really listen, you're like, hold on. That, I don't think that was supposed to be in the, on the record. But back then, if Elvis liked to take, it was all recorded live yeah. for the most part. He kept it. Yep. Today, they would have just digitally removed it. and that's Gone. It. That's it. Like what Anna Marie does with us. Oh, removes most of our banter. You know, we, 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 we talk for hours up in here, you know? That's right. A lot of yeah, good that, stuff is, uh, Oh yeah. From these shows. Wait, maybe we'll have an outtake album or something. That, that would be good. I think we should do that. You know, maybe, maybe next episode. I don't know. I do want to mention one thing today. Uh, we're actually recording this on December 4th, 2022, which is the anniversary of the million dollar quartet. I just wanted to kind of bring right. that up because I also want to say we lost Jerry Lee Lewis in October of uh, 22. He was known as the last man standing. He was one of the last originals that was around. He's no longer with us. Thoughts are with his family and uh, everybody in rock and roll or music who was influenced by Jerry Lee or bought his records, listened to him. The man, the killer, he's gone. So we want to say uh, rest in peace, Jerry Lee Lewis. He was part of that million dollar quartet. Right. One of one of the founding fathers, just a giant talent. He doesn't get any better than that, man. He was really, he was the man, lived to 87 years old. And boy, did he hold his own. He'd never met Elvis or he was just, he was playing piano for Carl Perkins that day. And yeah, he listened to the, the million dollar quartet and he's just, he's Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh yeah, man. He's always been Jerry Lee. I think they just, they, you could tell they hit it off. They really did. Yeah. They were I think they had a mutual respect for for one another. And Elvis is like, well, who's who's this who's this guy? You know, right. Singing all the I gospel th- songs. <laughs> did you hear did you hear that story where George Klein said that Jerry Lee Lewis was at Graceland 1960? And no. they were playing, you know, in the music room together. And he said he just said it was, you know, incredible, the two of them together. Then Jerry Lee was leaving as he was driving away. Elvis said, that's the most talent, something towards the fact that that's the most talented guy I've ever met in my life. 
Wow. I give we'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to uh, Memphis Flash. And remember, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at memphisflashpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, this is episode 13. Thank you so much to everyone. Mark Schaefer. We'd like to thank my parents for being on today. Special thanks to my wife, Anne Marie Burkettall, who produces this thing and it keeps us in line and puts this whole thing together. Until we meet you again, we'll catch you on, on the, the flip side. side. Memphis Flash is written and produced by Brad Burkettall, Mark Schaefer, and Anna Burkettall. Original music written and performed by Brad Burkettall. Don't forget to visit Memphis Flash Podcast on Facebook and Instagram for special content related to this and other episodes. Have a topic you'd like us to cover or just want to say hi? Email us at memphisflashpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.